Hello, welcome to the Multitask. I am John Moore. I'm Fadi Haddad. So the Russians are at it again. They have hacked into our computer systems, yeah. and I don't feel too good about it. No, I mean, it's, it's been present for five years, but this, sort of, I think, was a, a severe breach of, of our security systems. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things, and Dick Durbin raised the alarm bell, and a lot of people raised the alarm bell. They said this is an act of war in many mm-hmm. cases, that this, this, some people think that this is an intrusion on par with 9-11 because they didn't hack into Citibank and get a few credit card numbers. They literally hacked into our government systems, especially systems that affect national security and defense. And uh, the president today, or, or or I shouldn't call it the president, the occupant of the White House, mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's, he's not really spoke up, but he finally speaks up today, and he calls it a big hoax. He says the media is overreacting, and he blamed China. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we know where he stands on the Russian thing. Oh, as far as any issues regarding Russia, we know he's going to blame China on it to deflect. We know he's a he's a Russian asset. We've been knowing this for five years already. You know, um, I think we're in a troubling place, John. I'm not going to lie. I think we're in a place where um, the Republicans' distrust in our own institutions for their benefit or their um, their their advantage is, is very troubling to me because you have half the government and half the country. Um, who are not taking this very seriously. And this is what kind of, there's still soldiers and there's still guns and bullets, but this is what kind of what modern warfare looks like. This is the Cold War just 50 years later, right? Um, and there's a lot of people saying, we don't even know the damage. Some people are saying it, it might not have been an attack. It might've just been them threatening, like we could do this and we're here and we're more of a spy mission, but we just don't know. We don't know the damage that's been done yet. And it might take a long time to figure that out. You know, um, one of the things that should have been a tell, uh, and people have been going ahead and reposting a tweet, I think it was 2017, where Trump had told, had sent out a tweet talking about he has reached out to Putin and they're going to work together on cybersecurity. Uh, and I'm wondering uh, if, if what we're running into is really not a function of really the lackadaisical approach that this administration has taken, some of the way they've let their guards down. Um, They've literally not staffed certain positions. Uh, this is happening. I really, truly believe this is happening. This breach is happening because this administration let it happen, either on purpose or just through negligence. Yeah, I, I don't. I, that tweet that I that I, I retweeted it, it made me think that this is all purposeful, and that that you know we always we always wondered what the end game was for Putin and and, and Trump, and part of it is just the distrust, right? That Putin wants to so distrust in just the American institutions. And he has done that very successfully in a lot of ways. But I wonder if it's just more like he has Trump opening doors for him that he probably couldn't have have opened before. And just to be fair, we do this to Russia and we do this to China and we do this to big countries too. So it's definitely a a double-edged sword here because we definitely do this. But um, to have the, the, the actual president of the United States openly welcoming Russia to do this is very troubling. Right, well, and to your point, the big difference is, and yeah, we do it to other countries, but I think what we have to realize is that there's a world of, um, you know, CIA, spies, etc. We do a lot of stuff that we're outraged about. Um, yeah. But the reality is, is everybody's doing it. But when you catch someone, they know we're doing it. They know we're doing it. And we should be less really out, outraged at the Russians and more outraged at ourselves 
for letting it happen because what normally traditionally happens is they're doing it, we're doing it. We've seen the Jason Bourne movies. We've seen all of the different spy thrillers. But the reality is, is when you catch the other guy doing it, you make sure that there's consequences. Trust me, we're doing it. And realistically, when we do it, usually there's consequences for when we're caught doing it. And likewise, when the Russians are caught or the Israelis or anyone is caught doing it to us, there needs to be consequences. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, look, if we're doing it, we're doing it. Um, that's what America's known for that, right? And, and we we frown on behavior that we do ourselves every single day. There's there's the hypocrisy is there for sure, but you definitely don't want a dunce you. So I, I think if there was another president in, this would be considered, um, I wouldn't say an act of war, but it would be considered very seriously. Remember, Obama very was very took a serious tone with with Putin right before the 2016 election because he knew that he was meddling. So, um, I'm interested to see what Biden does after the fact in a couple in a month or so. Right, and the tweet you were referring to earlier was um, the tweet where they talked about how the White House, the White House itself, was ready to go ahead and acknowledge that that the hack was carried out by the Russians. They were ready because Pompeo was on board. I think the National Security Advisor was on board. And it was Trump who went ahead and decided to downplay it. So the White House, everybody in the White House was going to come out and say, yeah, we need to go ahead and we need to acknowledge this as Russians. And the president or the occupant of the White House, uh, he went ahead and he decided we're going to change that. And we're not going to, we're, we're, we're going to basically blame, blame the Chinese and downplay this whole attack. And it's just really, really scary. Yeah, so I, I don't expect him to do anything. I just hope that Biden could sew up our institutions enough where he could do something um, and, and not only stop this, but to punish people who are doing it. And the thing is, too, real quick, one of the things that um, this coincides with, you heard about how the Pentagon, I think yesterday or Thursday, decided it was going to stop briefing or put a pause mm -hmm. on some of its briefings for the Biden transition team. And, and this is the worst time for that to happen. The Biden transition team has to be read in as to what's going on. And if the Pentagon is not giving them the briefings, I believe that means they're hiding something. Yeah, that the Pentagon story dropped Thursday and the Russian hack story was like Friday. So I'm wondering if this is definitely um, connected in the sense that they, they wanted to stop this from, uh, they wanted to stop the Biden administration from, from having a smooth transition so they could stop any Russian um, punishment that's coming their way, which I think is going to happen once Biden takes over. Well, yeah, and, you know, that's that's one of the many things that's captivated Washington. But another thing that's captivated Washington is a COVID relief bill. The Democrats mm -hmm. and the Republicans look like they were very close to a deal, around $900 billion. And then all of a sudden, Pat Toomey, a Republican from Pennsylvania, came in and he put a brick on the deal by inserting some type of language that would basically hamstring uh, the Biden administration and its ability to basically rescue folks. And I think, you know, utilizing the treasury to do it. But uh, Americans are hurting. And this this is just another situation where the Republicans, whether Trump's there or not, are just evil, bad people. It's, it's frustrating because... Um, it's criminal. I think it's criminal what the Republicans are doing. They're lying so much, and they're 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 almost maniacally stopping Americans from getting relief 
to help themselves and help their um, their big businesses. This is something that we talked about a lot, right? Is that Republicans are able to control the narrative in such a more effective way than we are on the left. And that's the only thing I keep thinking about is the general public feels like this is like politics, right? Where Democrats are fighting Republicans, Republicans are fighting Democrats. That's not what's happening. Democrats are trying to pass relief for the people and Republicans don't. And so the only reason this deal even happened is because Mitch McConnell was seeing how much that, that Warnock and Ossoff were hitting um, in that Senate race. And so the only reason he even passed this bill was to help uh, Loeffler and um, Purdue. So I feel like I keep harping on this point, but Biden should have a, like a marketing czar or a person in charge of um, controlling the narrative because we don't do that on the left very much. And Republicans are winning that war. Yeah. Well, what, you know, to your point, one of the things, and, and McConnell did say that Leffler and Purdue were getting killed over this down in um, Georgia. I would literally, if I'm Ossoff, if I'm Warnick, I'm literally walking up to businesses that are shuttered or mm-hmm. suffering. I'm looking at people who are getting evicted. I'm saying there's a reason why. And if you elect Kelly Loeffler and, and, and uh, Purdue, uh, your, your life's not going to get any better. We have a plan. Now, I understand that part of the reason why the Democrats are even going for the smaller deal is that they believe with a Biden administration, they have a better chance of getting a more substantive deal. So they're just trying to put something in a stopgap measure that will actually uh, provide some immediate relief. And I was watching today, uh, the stimulus checks would probably take two to three weeks to get out. But they did say that those people receiving unemployment would probably not realize an interruption in the in in their uh, in in their checks, although those checks are smaller. Remember, at one point in time, they were giving them six hundred dollars. I think it's down now down to about three hundred dollars. Yeah, and and that's another point as far as Pelosi is this idea that she could hold out a little bit more and just keep hammering them. But but again, Republicans are good at, at controlling the narrative. They, they they have painted this idea that Pelosi is stopping a deal. So I think Pelosi sees it as let's give. There's also like the actual human factor of it, right? How many jobs are going to get lost? How many people are going to be poorer because they're not going to survive this season? So I think Pelosi sees it as let's help the American people. And Warnock and Ossoff don't lose their messaging, right? If their messaging was these guys are stopping a bill, now it's like these guys want to give you $400. We want to give you $1,500. And so they can still hit them and they can still hammer them. And so I think, I think Pelosi sees that and she probably just ran with it. You know, and I think that you're going to get into a situation where um, the Republicans, uh, whether it's, you know, Purdue and Ossoff down in Georgia, or um, even some of the Republicans that are for election in 22, they're going to pay a price. Um, hopefully, you know, to your mm-hmm. point about messaging and, and doing good PR and good marketing, uh, at some point in time, and maybe it's going to be in Biden's first address to a joint session of Congress, which traditionally is a the State of Union, but your first year, um, because you just took office, it's more just a joint address. It's not officially called the State of Union. Um, you know, I think he needs to hit hard. He needs to go ahead and he needs to spell out um, exactly, you know, what's going on, who is causing the problems. And, you know, even above and beyond, you we're talking economy, but let's just talk about the health effects. Let's talk about the reality is that Part of the reason why X amount of people are still getting sick at the rates they are and people are dying is because of the negligence of this administration. You saw that emails came out last week about the whole um, potential of trying herd immunity. And so now some people are actually wondering, did they actually even try? Did they really try herd immunity? 
it's 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 something that is you know in my opinion uh i really think that the next year hopefully one will get better and two i do think that the one thing that the democrats are going to have to do and it's not just blaming your predecessor, but they're going to have to come out and tell the story about why we're in the situation we are in, not yeah. just from an economy standpoint, but from a healthcare standpoint. Yeah, I also said this a bunch of times. Republicans are not interested in governing at all. They just don't care. They're just the opposition party. They believe their 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 policy is just opposition, is stopping everything the Democrats want to do. All of a sudden, they're deficit hawks. They weren't deficit hawks for the last four years. They weren't deficit hawks under Bush and all those wars. And so, um, we're in a tough spot. We're in a tough spot where half half the half of our politicians just want to stop um, governing, and the other half actually want to do good things. So Biden has to. Biden's hopeful that he has a working relationship with McConnell, right? Obama famously wanted Biden because of his Senate history. And he, he knew that that Biden could cross the aisle and work with a guy like McConnell or Boehner or Paul Ryan. Um, I'm not hopeful that Biden's going to be able to work with them. I'm just hopeful that Biden could have enough of the, all right, guys, like, what are we doing here? Enough, like, where he told Trump, just would you just shut up? Like, there's enough of that common sense that Biden has. I'm wondering if that that's effective. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I really do think that you're going to have a situation where Biden is going to make and give the intention and impression that he's going to work with McConnell. But I also think that he's probably not going to suffer fools kindly, and he's going to possibly uh, not give um, McConnell as much rope as say Obama gave him. Uh, but, you know, the, the most crucial thing is is, is winning, winning back the Senate and getting, well, it's not even really winning back the Senate. Come on, it's going to be 50-50 tie. And people should already disabuse themselves of the notion that if we get that, uh, it's automatically going to be, you know, euphoria and utopia. It's going to still yeah. be tough because, you know, you have people like Joe Manchin who, because they have to get elected in West Virginia and serve West Virginia people, he can't go as far to the left as he wants. But, you know, bringing it back to COVID, it's just, you know, We've got to go ahead. Uh, you're hearing now that the vaccine shipments are not getting out like they want. Evidently, there's a ton of product that Pfizer has that's just sitting waiting to be shipped. Um, I heard somebody alleged, and I don't know, we, we, we'll look it up. Well, I, I hate spreading rumors, but that's what I'm doing, that evidently uh, Trump has got an investment in Moderna. So yeah. he has he has an interest in seeing that being more like the vaccine of choice. But, dude, just get the stuff out there. Get everything out there. Um, members of Congress started uh, getting their vaccines yesterday. Um, the one member of Congress I'm close to will be getting theirs on Monday. But um, it, it, it's interesting, and Jake Tapper pointed out, is you see a lot of people uh, like Rand, well, Lindsey Graham and Marco Rubio, uh, who, um, you know, didn't really, weren't the most active or aggressive in far, as far as, you know, getting people to take the virus seriously. Um, and Mitch McConnell, they're getting their shots, and it's just frustrating. It, it's it's weird, but you know, um, I actually don't have a problem with members of Congress and the White House getting their shots. These are people, um, being myself being close to a member of Congress. You know, there's 438 or 435 members of the House, 100 members of the Senate, multiple staff coming from each week, coming from all over the country, and going back all over the country. They're getting. The, they're getting their shots is, is also an addition to protecting them. It's protecting us because who knows what they'd be bringing back from D.C. Not, well, not only that, but the idea that we elected them to represent us. And even though we, that's bullish, but like 
they represent us in, in our government. And so we, we should keep them safe and healthy and, and so they can fight for us, you know. Oh, so they can pass a bill. In theory, in theory yeah. <laughs> so, so, so they can pass a bill. But it, it was very interesting. And it was amazing watching the emotional reactions that people had to getting the shot yeah. and seeing people get the shot. Um, it's, you know, I think you and I both know it's it's not going to happen overnight. It's still going to take a long time. Um, when I get the shot, I will go ahead and I will still be masking up and you know, do what I can to protect myself. Um uh, I, I really, I, I, and you know, I think some of the concerns that people have, um, one, I do think your anti-vaxxers are not going to move, but I think the impact on the African-American community will probably go away once more and more people get shots. And I think the fact that frontline workers are the first to get the shots, that might be reassuring to folks because once the general public gets around to getting the shots, maybe there'll be a greater acceptance and belief that, okay, it, it can work and you'll see that these people are not getting sick. Yeah, I saw somebody say, like, all these rich politicians are getting it. I, I want to see somebody like me get it. So I, I know Obama volunteered to get it as a symbol of, of trusting the vaccine. Um, they want to see, like, LeBron get it and Oprah get it and, and people who rep feel like they represent them. So I think that'll happen soon here. I think the NBA is working on getting a, a bunch of vaccines for their players. So I think that'll happen relatively soon. Right. And, you know, and, and when we talk about rich folks, I don't even have a problem, okay, if the NBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball mm -hmm. or hockey got the shots, go ahead and also make sure that you immunize the staff at the stadiums. Those are working class people who work in hourly wage. But I think those are ways to start. You know, make sure flight attendants get it. Make sure your grocery workers get it. Mm -hmm. I think I think retail people should be everybody that was designated as essential, a yeah. uh, essential worker. They should their priority should be greater now. But we just have to have patience and but. You know, one of the things I'd like to know is, and it'd be great to hear from like some type of uh, epidemiologist is, okay, viruses pass from people to people. And obviously the more people you come in contact with, the greater your chances. But even, I'd really like to know, let's just say that, you know, we literally only get what, 20 million people through medical and senior buildings and stuff vaccinated right off the bat. Um, I don't know what our chances are, my chance and your chance are of getting uh, the virus, but I wonder if with every thou every uh, million people that get the shot, does it lower our chances? Because what you're doing is you're basically at, say, a hospital or whatever, you're killing it there. You're making it, making it so that these people are no longer going to be passing it on. So I do wonder, you know, even though even if we fall late in priority of getting the, getting the vaccine, do our chances with every round of people who get shots go down just because that's hopefully fewer people who get infected? Have you heard anything in, in that regard? Or? I, I, read a th I read a thread today that actually, um, it didn't erase my hope, but he, it was a doctor and it was an epidemiologist. And he was speaking about the idea that, first of all, you have to get two vaccines, right? And AOC had a, I don't know if you saw AOC's Instagram where she was talking about, uh, she got the vaccine today and she was going through the process. And you have to get it twice, and, and scientists believe you become more immune after the second shot. So there's 21 days in between those shots, I believe. So we have to still mask up, and we have to still be careful, even if we have the vaccine, even if we have the second vaccine, right? So there's that. There's also, like, I don't know if you saw this UK strand of, of SARS-CoV-2, of, of the virus that's going around in the UK that's different than the one that's been present this whole time. And he was talking about the... is is this vaccine going to be like the flu 
or is it going to be like the measles where we have to address it every year and everybody has to get it every year? Or is it like the measles where the measles doesn't uh, change its compound in, in the surface layer? He was talking about the chemistry behind it. So that's still unknown. And so we don't know. This isn't a cure-all. This is going to help. But we're still too early in the process to know what it's going to look like in two years. You know, I've been, one of the things I've been thinking about, and you may make a good point, is forget um, coronavirus or COVID for a second. Um, I wonder, do you think it's good or bad that we have a front row seat for the whole process? I mean, when we get measles, when we get polio, even when we get the flu, oh, you just go get it. There's no question, yeah. right? It, it was there before, before you even knew anything about it. It was not that scrutinized. Is the fact that we're watching this so closely, do you think that's helpful or hurtful or kind of a, a push in, in your opinion? I think I think the effects are still unknown. I just don't know. I remember reading about the polio vaccine in the 40s. I think it was the 40s-ish that, that when it started, but I don't know how the anti-vax movement was back then. You know what I mean? There was more government trust in our in our institutions to that they weren't poisoning us. But th- don't get me wrong, there's a lot of um, minority groups in this country who were poisoned on some level, right? And there was just like, there's a lot of not only misinformation, but there's actual bad things that we've done in our past that really, um, really kind of skew people's opinion. So I wonder if that we're on the front lines now that we're in it now. I wonder if people um, have more trust because they people want to get back to normal. There's there are people who are dying. So right. and, you um, know, if the, this the comes out, yeah. Oh, oh no, no. The, the last thing though, before we move on is so I also wonder. You know, there's really three vaccines, and I know all the doctors are saying take whatever's available. But I wonder yeah. under more less rushed circumstances, I wonder if doctors would be able to look at their vaccines and a particular patient and say, what I know about you and your medical history and everything else says that this is the better vaccine for you, right? I, I think all three are pretty closely matched. I don't think there's a lot of uh, difference, but I do wonder though, um, not just with, again, not just with COVID, with other vaccines, I wonder if there's some type of expertise or, you know, analysis where some will say, given your age, your demographics, and your medical history of the vaccines on the market that treat this particular virus, this is the one that's best for you. Yeah, actually, that's a good question, because I wonder if the flu, you know what I was thinking was like the vaccine, and is the vaccine, is is Korea going to use the Moderna vaccine or the Pfizer vaccine? Or, I mean, Korea has very capable scientists who are working on their own vaccines. So I'm just wondering um, how this all works. Are people going to get vaccinated differently? Are they going to have different um, like immunization levels or or what's going to happen here globally because remember there's a lot of, this is started globally right this all started um not it started in one country that spread all over so I'm, I, I don't know i don't know how that works it's a good question yeah well i'm going to switch subjects so getting back to the idiot in the white house um the kraken uh the trump wanted to make the kraken or there was some talk about making the kraken a special counsel who would investigate um, election fraud. Uh, and the New York Times came out with a story that talked about this meeting in which they just wanted to do a bunch of crazy stuff. They were talking about making the Kraken, uh, the, the special counsel. Rudy wanted to go ahead and, um, you know, involve Homeland Security. And they were even considering uh, Michael Flynn's uh, call for calling calling out the certain, you know, the armed services and, 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 and enforcing martial law. 
Uh, dude is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, remember this Kraken lady, because that's what she deserves to be known as. He didn't want nothing to do with her once ago because she was so outlandish and she was so crazy. So now I feel like um, Mark Meadows and even Rudy are, are starting to see the writing on the wall. And so he's 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 looking to more outlandish uh, things with the special counsel. You know what the first thing I thought of was actually Mueller in, in the Mueller report because um, he's obsessed with everything that's been done to him. He wants to do to other people. And so he gets elected and all of a sudden there's the the Mueller investigation and the special counsel. So I wonder if he's just trying to throw everything back at us that we threw at him, basically. Granted, these are both different situations. But um, you know what this is right now? It's like you ever watch football and your team is down 30 and you're on the two-yard line and it's the last play. You start throwing laterals and people are diving off the place. And that's what this is to me. This is just a last-ditch effort. It's not going to work. Nothing's going to come of it. But um, it's still scary that he's willing to go that far, especially with the military. They, they want to seize ballot boxes and to seize – uh, softwares and machines and stuff so it, it's scary but i don't i don't think it's too uh too developed well you saw that johnson swain from axios tweeted that there are people not the never trump republicans but normally the people who enable trump are sounding the alarm like they're kind of scared now think about this we're not talking about the people like you know that kind of quit or or were there kind of protect us we're talking about the people who are known for, who have built a reputation, although we don't know who they are, uh, who have built a reputation for basically enabling Trump, have now gone ahead and kind of tonight sound the alarm. And um, not sure if you saw that tweet, but then also, I'm not sure if you noticed, also tonight, 25th Amendment is trending again on Twitter. Did, did you oh, see I didn't that? see that, no. Yeah, people are, he's, he's they, they're really kind of, I mean, they think he's gone well, off the deep end. On top of this, there was a report this week that, um, again, this is all just reporting, but they said that he had told his people he wasn't going to leave. He was just going to refuse to leave the White House. So this isn't like hypothetical. He's bringing up these situations himself. Um, from what I understand, you could correct me if I'm wrong. He's legally not the president on, on January 20th. Right. Uh, as, as, as the, the minute. Like right. Right. Well, it just it's not like a, he has to he has to pass the powers on. He legally does not become president. Your term expires. So, for instance, yeah. um, both Loeffler and Purdue are saying that they'll probably contest the election in Congress on the sixth. But what most people don't realize is, as of January third, are they are no longer members of Congress uh, of the Senate, right? Because everybody has terms; those terms expire. Now they may mm -hmm. regain those seats. But those seats will be vacant from January 3rd to the time that winners are declared in Georgia. And, you know, let's be honest, if everything played out the way that it played out in the general election, we might not know who won Georgia on January 3rd. We might not know for a week or two. So the reality is, is even if Loeffler and Purdue win, they might not win or be declared the winners on by January 6th. And they won't even be in the, in, in the Senate. But it goes back to what you're saying about Trump. Yeah, as of, and you know what some people were saying is, if for some reason they didn't declare Biden a winner, Trump wouldn't just remain president, Nancy Pelosi would become the president, right, yeah. because she's the Speaker of the House, and you, as of 12 o'clock, we do not have a president or a vice president, so the third in line would actually become the president. This actually works the same if Trump would have won. He has to get sworn in again. And so it's not like it's not like these rules aren't built in. They're obviously obviously built in. But um, yeah, that's why Biden said 
Secret, Secret Service is not going to have an issue taking him out because I'm going to have control. Yeah. In theory. Well, you saw that. Um, I'm not sure you saw an article. Uh, they said that because of COVID, not because these people are evil, although I would agree they're evil, but because of COVID protocols, a lot of the White House staff probably won't be able to move in for two or three days because they have yeah. to go through that bad boy and clear it out. And, you know, for those of us who are superstitious, you're familiar with, you know, Kyrie Irving did it the other day, you know, people who bring yeah. sage. I, I've been saying long before we had COVID, we need to put sage in that bad boy and and go ahead and, and get all the bad, evil spirits out of there. It's And then people don't know this. When Trump, when the president leaves the Oval Office for the last time, he's on his way to the inauguration. The White House staff has roughly three or four hours to completely move out the Oval Office, move out the residency, and put everything back in. So by the time Trump leaves and Biden comes in, in theory, all his stuff will be moved in perfectly. Now they're going to fumigate it and blue tet it. So I'm not sure of that process. I'm, I'm also won't be surprised if if Biden stays in Delaware or stays somewhere else for a time being till they get, till they could get it clean. Well, you know, I wouldn't be surprised though too is if there's not because of some of the national security implications. I would also make sure that you have your baddest counter espionage people going there and shoot that bad boy for bugs, yeah. cameras, all sorts of stuff. Because you don't know yeah. what type of access he's given to Russians. It's it's it, it's it's really um it's 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 something that we can sort of laugh at and yeah. kind of talk trash. But normally when you're laughing at it or talking trash about it, it's because it's kind of a stretch. But this is the one time we're laughing and talking about it. But we may literally, as the Biden administration takes over and stuff starts to get real, we might be in one of those old crap moments where we're like, that stuff we were joking about, it really happened. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 scary. It, it, Especially if he I, refuses to leave. If Biden's if Biden's at the inauguration giving a speech and Trump's in the Oval Office refusing to leave, um, it's not far-fetched. This is what he's threatening to do. So I, I, it's really going to play out for the first time before our eyes. Well, you know, one of the things, though, too, and um, I just, you know, to keep asking, will he come, will he not come? I just want that day to be about Joe and Kamala. Yeah. Uh, Joe, you know, anybody that's been following Biden, um, forget Kamala for a second. Just um, his story, the kid from Scranton, that's going to be pretty emotional. The guy ran for president X amount of times. He was the right-hand man of the last legitimate president we had. He was ride or die. He's always been an institutionalist. And, you know, I tell you, I mean, just that moment he gets to put his hand on the Bible, just when you think about his life story, you know, all he's been through, and then when you put about taking the historic significance of Kamala, um, I don't want to be worrying about whether Trump's there, what he did. I don't want any attention shifting from those two because that's their moment, and I want it to be their moment. I don't want it to be about what Trump's doing. Yeah, you heard Trump say that he's going to take Air Force One to Florida and have a rally so that the TV cameras can cover him. I just hope they're responsible. The media hasn't really been responsible in four or five years, so I just hope that once he leaves, they're able to treat him like they've treated every other ex-president, and that's kind of him just to go away and, and and not look at him and not pay attention to him. I think he's going to get banned from Twitter. That's one of my hot takes for our upcoming episode. But um, I think he's going to get banned from Twitter relatively fast. And so I just wonder if I wonder if he he's becomes less potent as soon as it happens. 
Well, I don't want him to be treated like every ex-president because he's going to be treated like hopefully a criminal defendant. So most of our ex-presidents are being treated. I hope he's not treated like the rest of the ex-presidents. They get that great photo op in, in the Oval Office with the other ex-presidents. No, I don't want him treated like our, all of our ex-presidents. Our ex all I want is him to worry about staying out of jail, seeing his fortune. You know, most people, most presidents see their net worth increase, increase dramatically mm -hmm. when they leave, there's a very good chance that Trump's net worth will go down after he leaves. Yeah. So uh, that brings me to a, 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 a hard shift is uh, we're Democrats, or at least we're on the left side of the aisle. Um, our far left brothers and sisters, in this case, many of them sisters, are, it's a bloodbath. It's, 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 it's a fracas mm -hmm. on the side. Uh, you've got AOC being called out by Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore is one of these far left uh, socialist types who evidently lives in like a million dollar plus compound or something. But he's calling on AOC and a lot of uh, uh, squad types, the, the the progressive types in Congress, basically to try to shut Congress down and force a vote on Medicare for all. And they're coming for AOC hard. Have you been paying attention to this? Yeah, AOC and AOC tweeted back saying, you're not gonna. You're you're fighting a losing fight, and so I think AOC changed her tune a little bit because AOC, in my opinion, used to fight for the sake of fighting because, like, she came in, she's a rebel, and she wanted to to upend things in a good way, and now she's kind of saying it's never gonna happen. You know what I mean? You want you want us not to vote for Pelosi and, and hold that hostage for a losing battle. I'd rather do that and I'm willing to do that for something we're going to win like $15 minimum wage and she named a bunch of different things. So it's interesting to see the far left attack her because she they feel like she's gone a little not as far left as they want her to go. But I wonder if she's just kind of learning that some things are easier said than done and she has to pick her battles a little better. Yeah, one, one of the funniest tweets I saw is um, was uh, someone actually came out and said that... Uh, how can the the Democrats get us Medicare for all when they can't even get a stimulus checks? Yeah, uh, it, it's it's you know it's it, it's they're sitting here they're in a position to where they're trying to make a lot of things happen, but quite frankly, uh, it's it's really tough to to pull the trigger on some of these particular issues. Yeah, so that's exactly right. AOC is saying. We have to pick our battles here, right? And she's, and not only her, but I think the general public is starting to see that um, we're not going to be able to just bull rush everything in that we want to do. There's a lot we want to do, right? We want to do healthcare. We want to do climate change. We want to do $15 uh, minimum wage. We want to do stimulus checks. All that stuff is not going to happen at once. And it's not going to happen. It might not happen. All of it might not happen within the first two years. So I think she's saying we have to pick our battles. What's going to help people? If we have a vote on Medicare for all and we just lose it for the sake of losing it, it's not going to help anybody. So $15 minimum wage will help. Another stimulus will help. So she's saying, let's just do something we could win for now and then we'll worry about the rest later. Yeah, one of the challenges that they have is that, and it's something AOC learn, is learning the hard way, is that there's, they're members of Congress, right? Mm -hmm. uh, right now, I think we, uh, we looked yesterday the Dems have won 222 seats. Uh, they have a smaller margin. They may, There's two seats outstanding right now. And then don't forget, three seats will go special election. I think the only seat that might be at risk of losing is Deb Hollins. But I still think that's a Democratic seat. It's just that she, that's districts uh, of the three special elections, that's the ones the Democrats have to worry about the most. That being said, 
if you're going to get anything done, you got to be a member of a team. And one of the things that happened this week was Corey Bush, um, yeah. uh, African-American woman from St. Louis who beat Lacey Clay. Lacey Clay was a very popular um, member of the uh, Black Caucus. And just so you know, um, people are going to, a lot of her colleagues are going to look at her sideways because she beat one of their best friends. And she's been very cavalier in some of her statements and comments. Well, she did an interview, a podcast, I think it was on James Thyborn's podcast. And she posted it, and she talked about how great it was for them to come together. And because the far left, the 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 progressives, the 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 DSA types, the Bernie types, um, they're coming for her strictly because she did James Clyburn's podcast, and it's just ridiculous. Yeah, look, I mean, I can't speak for knowing James Clyburn as much. From what I understand, he's very very popular and very very um. He's, he was, he's been fighting for a long time, you know what I mean, and, and from South Carolina. So you can correct me if I'm wrong. But um, look, some of this is like some of these people paved the road, you know what I mean? And, and in order for – she's fresh, right? She's new. She's never been there. She's the first – I think the first black woman to be in Congress from St. Louis. So it's like she has something to learn from somebody like that, and she, she, she should learn that, and she should talk to as many people as she can. It's, it doesn't mean – talk to him doesn't mean she's going to start voting exactly how they want her to vote. It's just the idea to, to talk, to learn, to know your surroundings and be fully aware of where you are at and, and how important it is for you to do the work that you're doing. So look, some of this is going to have to be working together, just like you said, right? It's like, we're all on the same team. We all 99% of the time, we're all going to want the same thing. So I think it's just ridiculous. We're, we're up against something so serious for us to be talking about something like this. And just so you know, Clyde Byrne, um, before Barack got elected, was he's, he was the highest-ranking African-American in the history of the American government until Barack got elected, and then Barack obviously was. And now that Barack's out of office until Kamala gets sworn in, he again is the highest-ranking African-American. And just so you know, he's number three in Democratic leadership in the House. And just so you know, the, the big six in the House of Representatives, whether you're Republican or Democrat, the big six, um, they travel with security guards. I... We did a golf outing with him, and I thought, I'm like, who's coming to town? The president? He actually has a security detail that, just like Pelosi, just like Sidney Hoyer, because he's the number three Democrat, he is entitled to uh, executive protection from the Capitol Police. And he's a big deal. He's literally a big deal. He was the reason why um, Joe Biden got elected, realistically, because he helped save South Carolina. And, um, you know, his history, uh, there's, there's three civil rights leaders uh, that historically have been serving in the White House. I mean, serving in the um, in Congress, and he's the only one that's still left. It it was John Lewis, Elijah Cummings, and James Clyburn. Uh, they are they yeah. all three go back to the '60s. You could kind of throw Bobby Rush in there as a Black Panther, but I'm talking about you know that that was very that were very close to the King legacy, so to speak. It was it was those three, um, but you know it definitely and. You know, one of the things a lot of black folks on, on Twitter are getting really upset about is the disrespect shown to Bush and the disrespect shown to Clyburn from these progressives. And, they're, you know, they're they're calling him a house slave and considering her to a... That's just crossing lines. Now, part of me wonders if some of these folks are Russian uh, instigators who, who are coming in starting crap. I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see about that. Uh, but one other thing, and it goes back to AOC, is uh, this week AOC was up for a seat on um, energy and commerce. And just so you guys know, within Congress, there's four committees. Uh, there's multiple committees, I should say, but there's four which are considered A-level committees. 
these are the prestigious ones. It's energy and commerce, appropriations, ways and means, and rules. These are called the, these are the big four. Um, and they're called exclusive, and everyone fights to get into it. And so AOC was trying to get into energy and commerce. And the thing that was fascinating is um, uh, Bauman, the guy that won, that beat um, uh, Elliot Engel in um, New York, which we AOC back, because he knocked Engel out, Engel's seat opened up. And rather than that seat going to the entire uh, Democratic caucus, they like to keep that seat for New York. So it came down between her and a guy by the name of, a woman by the name of Kathleen Rice. And long story short, AOC lost the vote. And a lot of Democrats basically said... And this is a secret vote, correct? Yeah, it's a secret yeah. vote. It's just, but but the, but before the vote, they were able to give speeches and make arguments in, in, for or against people. And a lot of Democrats, not just uh, Quaylar, uh from Texas, but a lot of Democrats came out and said, look, AOC has backed people who run against our colleagues. And, you know, just so you know, uh, one of the expectations of members of Congress, both Republican and Democrat, is that when you get committee assignments, it's kind of a reflection and an expectation that your dues, you'll pay your dues because those dues, uh, which are well into the six figures, um, are used to basically win the majority or protect protect the majority. It's basically get other people elected. And AOC refuses to pay her dues and she has more money than most members. Uh, just so you know, for the committee season, her dues should be between 150 to 175 a cycle. Uh, A-level committee, her dues would go up to 350. But why would you, when you got members who don't make as much money or, or raise as much money as she does, paying their dues, why should she even get a seat? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask you something when I was reading about all this. Would this, this I'm sure it's happening a lot in history, but would this have been such a big news story if it wasn't AOC attached to it? Yeah, but here's the thing. Um, a lot this of is like members, real insider baseball stuff. Yeah, it's inside baseball. Yeah, yes and no. Um, it's it's a big story because AOC is attached to it, but also the reason reason realize the reason is is AOC is attached to it because she's really the only one that's out there, and I I, I may be wrong, but in recent history, who's basically you know gone so hard against her her house colleagues, right? So yeah, AOC's AOC is attached to it. But and it and it may never happen because you know it might be because she's attached to it. But who else has gone ahead and had developed a public reputation of attacking her colleagues and threatening to primary her colleagues? And who else has gone ahead and basically said, "Look, I don't care what everybody else does. I'm not going to pay my dues." Um, and, yeah, you know, but, she, but she's a trailblazer in a lot of different ways. Obviously, some some people think negatively as well. But I just wonder if this is like. Um, if we're spending too much time, it, because she's a big name, I'm just wondering if we're spending too much time no, fighting well, around is, her, you know? What it is, is, I mean, anybody here ever played team sports? I would not want to share a locker room. You know how you're, you're a football fan, you're a basketball fan. You know how in sports we talk about the locker room, yeah. right? And someone can score X amount of points or do what have you, but they may be toxic in the locker room, so we might not want them on our team. Well, think about in whether it's a Republican or Democratic caucus, think about those caucuses as locker rooms, right? Now, it's bad enough when that person is putting up tons of points and that they're, they're toxic. But let's be honest, what actually has she done? What 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 significant legislation has she passed, right? Um, she won seats. She's not actually helped win, flip a seat from, from uh, red to blue, right? And, you know, so the reality is, is that 
yeah, she gets uh, she has a large social media following, uh, and she raises tons of money, and she's gotten people involved in politics. But just tell me, what significant legislation that's passed this last year, even if it may, never made it to the Senate, did she play a role in? Most people can't tell me because they don't know. Because I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I hear that argument, but I also hear the argument of she is a rising star and she does bring people to the conversation, whether that brings in votes or not, or whether that brings in legislation, I'm not sure, but she's, you know, she, I, I'm not making this comparison to him, but I want to take your locker room analogy. You guys on the South side had a guy named AJ Przinsky that we hated on the North side, but he was a guy who you wanted on your team because you loved him. But when he wasn't on your team, you hated him. So I wonder if this is the AOC situation where when she's fighting for you in the way that you wanted to fight for, she's very, very useful. And then when she does that thing that opposes you, then it becomes an issue. So I wonder if it's more like but she's I, riding for you, then it's better. I guess the question I would have, though, is what has she done? What, what you know, she's not... The, but that can speak for a lot of different people in Congress. Okay, but, 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 but yeah, but, but, but the reality is, is, are they also as toxic? You know, are they, you know, the reality... They all, are they also as popular? Right, but what has yeah, her, what I'm asking you, though, what has been the net benefit of her popularity other than for her? Has, that, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Did she... Has, no, I hear you, what, I hear you. What, what's, what, and when you look at the Democratic majority that we gained in 2018 or lost a little bit in 20, uh, 2020, and, you know, if people are saying, if the people really, truly do believe that, um, you know, the fund of police hurt, maybe she, uh, maybe she's actually detracting. I'm not, I'm not, it's weird because I'm being critical, but I don't want my yeah, criticism no. to be, to be viewed as hating. It's no, an honest I assessment. Is, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, what's funny is remember I talked about, you know, those four committees, guess which person in AOC's class got a committee, Lauren Underwood. Yeah. Now, Lauren Underwood doesn't create half the headlines, but let's let's think about Lauren Underwood. She First of all, what did Lauren Underwood seat, do yeah. that AOC didn't do? Lauren Underwood took a seat that was red and she flipped it to blue and yeah. she kept it. That's the first thing. Yeah. Secondly, Lauren Underwood's passing legislation. Lauren Underwood has had legislation signed into law. So the reality is, is that um, I saw Chris Hayes call AOC successful. Um, by what standards, other than getting press for herself and lots of Twitter followers and raising money for herself, is she successful? I would think, but I would think that you would look at a Lauren Underwood and say that person is successful. You know, when you think about what Lauren has done, what she's been up against, Lauren has been a greater, a greater success than AOC, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just say AOC is a success for the fact that she's that's what she was a twenty-six-year-old bartender who won a, a Congress seat. Like I, I totally get where you're coming from. And my argument could be used against me in the sense that AOC is very popular, but they also used her against us in, in, in this 2020 race. So I totally see that. They, they basically were campaigning against AOC. They weren't campaigning against Biden in a lot of different ways. Um, the way I see AOC is um, there's a reason Bernie wanted her, right, to support him, even though Bernie lost. And I totally get it. You know what I mean? My, my thing is you you want people who take at-bats. And I think AOC takes at-bats, whether she strikes out or she hits a home run. She's not scared. And and we're up against McConnell and, and 
Graham, and I just need fighters. So I would take Lauren Underwood. I would take AOC. I would take anybody who's going to stand up for me. And I think AOC will, even though she brings all the negativity with her. Right. But I get it. I just, I want to, I want to put it this way. I'm going back to sports analogy. When AOC comes in the game, people are cheering, but you're getting more quality minutes out of Lauren Underwood. And I want the player that you're getting more quality minutes out of. And my thing is when, when there's a when the when the bench is clear, I want somebody who's going to dive into the pile with me. And Lauren and AOC would, you know what I mean. I need no, somebody who's going to scrap. Wait, time out. <laughs> we use the sports analogy. The reality is, is that's not the case. AOC is Lauren Underwood does not have a reputation of always talking about Democrats in a negative manner. The reality is, is that a, a lot of folks that are in that caucus do not want AOC in that foxhole with them because AOC has said, look, I'm taking you out. I'm taking you out. I don't like you. Our leader sucks. Now, these are discussions that you might want to have behind closed doors, and I'm sure they do. And, and I will tell you, I know that there is, you know, AOC is, AOC, people aren't just beef with AOC. There's all sorts of, just yeah. like on a high school or college campus or in an office space, there's all sorts of you know, b- bonds and, and people who are tight or not tight. But the reality is, is that um, there's, you know, what you said is like, I'd want her in the game with me, but I wouldn't want her in the game with me because who's the, who, is it Kyrie Irving? Who's going to sit there and just dribble, dribble as opposed to if someone's over there waving and saying, I'm open, yeah. I'm open. A dude is sitting there, you know, to, to put, it, to put it in context, this is coming off a of Vanity Fair article where she said Pelosi should be replaced so i totally get the criticism of her um i totally get it you know so um speaking of aoc one of the things that happened is this week obama did two great interviews um his Jesus and Miro. uh i loved how he was basically just you know cutting up like like it was like they were boys mm-hmm. uh, but he also did trevor noah and one of the things that came up on trevor noah was the subject that we keep going to every week was defund police yeah. And Barack just basically, you know, addressed it again. But I will say the bigger issue is that if you notice, Barack is, he's living his best life going out doing these late night talk shows and he's having a good time. He does a very good job of just making it seem like, you know, he and Trevor Noah or he and Deez and Mira are, you know, are boys. They just hang out together. You know, have you, have, I know you haven't watched any of them in full, but have you seen the clips of what's been in your impression? Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, Obama's biggest, biggest, I think, attributes he's able to just relate to people whether it's Jesus and Merrill whether it's Trevor Noah whether it's Stephen Colbert right because he did a big interview with Colbert as well um it, the contrast of Trump talking and Obama talking even in a casual manner is just the night and day Obama's able to relate to people and he's cool right like look he's historic for many many reasons but he's cool he could take a step back Jay and hit a three he could rap jay-z lyrics right he's he's a cool person and what's interesting about obama is not only was he the youngest guy to ever get elected to president i think but when you leave and you're like a lot of presidents leave and they're on the tail end of you know their life and they want to retire and they want to chill and bush is on a ranch painting somewhere right and obama's like still very very young and so um he has a lot of life to live and he has a lot of legacy to build on top of what he's built so far, you know? And what, you know, would be fascinating. And, you know, I think had even Jeb Bush got elected would have been different is um, 
America, and I'm not a big fan of George Bush, but both George Bush, both Bushes, um, Obama, uh, Clinton and Carter, um, even Carter, who many people think was a horrible president, I was too young to really evaluate him, but they have great ex-presidencies. And, and part of great ex-presidency is their relationship and support of whoever's in the White House. And we were robbed of that these last four years. You know, because don't forget when um, stuff went down under in George W. Bush's administration, he called on his father and Clinton to work together. When Trump, yeah, when, 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 or, when uh, things, when uh, things Haiti. got bad, yeah, yeah, Haiti. When things got bad during the Obama administration, he was able to call on Clinton and the younger Bush. And the reality is, is that when you have a normal presidency, if Trump was normal, I guarantee you there would have been this um, Three Musketeers uh, caravan of Obama, Clinton, and Bush, you know, diving in. So I, I do look forward to watching him work with the other ex-presidents in support of the current president. And that's something that, you know, we've been robbed of. This, 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 and I think it's even year. special because Biden was his guy, right? We talked about this before. Biden was his right hand. Now he has a chance at the at the gavel, so to say. And I'm looking forward to Biden inviting him to the White House paint, like to reveal his painting. And I'm, I'm looking forward to all the normalcy. Uh, we'll see what happens with COVID. But I'm looking forward to the normal things that, that people do or the ex-presidents do together, you know. Yeah. Well, look, we, we've run long today, uh, but uh, you know, hey, we had a lot to talk about. We had a lot to talk about. Um, the the next time people will hear from us, we'll be, they'll hear, hear this show and then we'll be after Christmas. We didn't talk a lot about Christmas, but uh, whether you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, uh, whatever holidays, I want everybody to have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, or Stay just safe. whatever you celebrate. And so Stay this safe, is John Oh, oh, you finished. Go ahead. No, I was going to say stay safe. Have have a, a safe Christmas. And there's no diets starting Monday morning. So Monday morning, there's no diets. Enjoy it. Have fun. Life is hard right now. So just, just have a little fun. All right. Thank you very much. Peace.